Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. We have a special show today, an interview with fantasy baseball analyst Jason Johnson at Y2Trips on Twitter. Jason reached out to me on Twitter couple weeks back um, to discuss his projection system. He uh, has created his own projection system and he thought uh, based on some of the tweets and and, uh, episodes of the podcast that some of the analysis uh, I've done uh, might be able to be helpful in his uh, projection system and how he works on it. Obviously, uh, that's quite nice of him to say, but I thought it might be cool to just record the conversation that we have or at least part of the conversation that we had Um, So that if folks are looking to create their own projection systems or just thinking about projections or uh, just interested in uh, Jason and my fantasy baseball thoughts, uh, that this could be uh, a helpful segment. So I hope folks do listen and are able to learn uh, something uh, from the conversation. I definitely enjoyed uh, the conversation with Jason and getting his take on his projections, projections in general, uh, and fantasy baseball related topics. In addition, we also bring back the segment that everybody loves, our hard cookies and our soft baked cookies. Now, hard baked cookies are those deli- are those hard baked cookies are not delicious. Hard baked cookies are those disappointing cookies. You know the ones you get and you look at them and you're like, "Wow, that looks great. I want to eat it." And then you bite into it and it's hard and crumbly. Soft baked cookies or when you see that cookie and you're like, wow, that looks good. I want to eat it. And then you bite into it and you're like, wow, I'm really glad I'm eating this cookie. So we got our hard cookies, our disappointments, and we got our soft baked cookies, which are the players that we like at their current ADP. So definitely uh, stick around for that. Thanks for folks who have left reviews and ratings, five-star reviews and ratings. Really, really appreciate it. As I've mentioned before uh, on the podcast, if you do leave a five-star rating and review, uh, you can select one uh, player to be uh, profiled on a on an upcoming podcast. So uh, definitely get, get there, leave those ratings, reviews. Always really appreciate it. Um, it's part of the algorithm that iTunes and others use, um, and it really helps uh, promote the podcast a lot. So thank you very much for that. You can follow me on Twitter at BatflipCrazy, Instagram at BatflipCrazy, Facebook at BatflipCrazyFantasy, YouTube at BatflipCrazy. I have a new YouTube video uh, about how to use xstats.org to identify the quality of fly balls. Uh, And then on the web, it's BatflipCrazy.com. Definitely the best place to reach me, though, is on Twitter at BatflipCrazy. Jason is definitely a great follow on Twitter, uh, so definitely find him on at, on Twitter at Y2Trips. You can find his work on Fantasy Pros, uh, where he puts his projections and rankings up against other fantasy baseball analysts each year. He's also published the book Understanding Fantasy Baseball. It's not just for it's not just for nerds, although I will point out that nerds do it better. And then his website is understandingfantasybaseball.com. Most importantly, he is a nice dude. He also was very patient as I had to uh, pause recording midway, as folks who listen to the podcast may know, occasionally because of either crying children or my loud voice, I have to go outside to my car to record podcasts. I did that this time around. My cat jumped up on the windshield and was meowing and distracting me. So I needed to pause mid 
mid-podcast and Jason did an excellent job uh, of being understanding and pivoting and going with it. So thank you for that, Jason. No thank you to Vicious Jackson, which is my cat. All right, let's talk some fantasy baseball with Jason Johnson. Let's get this party started. Jason, thanks so much for joining the Batflip Crazy podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, really excited uh, that you reached out to me on Twitter um, because I think your process is uh, really interesting. You obviously create your own projection systems, and I'm always a little bit envious of people who put the work in to do that. Um, so excited to talk. Let's, let's jump right in. Can you describe a little bit about the process that you went through to create your projection systems? Yeah, so uh, over the years, I, I put a spreadsheet together um, that allows me to uh, go through and project uh, all of the players in the player pool. I, you know, I use top 400 generally. Um, and once uh, I go through that, um, it's formula driven that uh, essentially uh, weights and values each uh, five by five category statistic, um, assigns a dollar value uh, for auction drafts. Um, and using that, I could kind of sort rank and um, then take all of that data and uh, use it as a draft guide, you know, during drafts. Nice. And I was lucky enough before we hopped on the program, Jason gave me a little demo of the spreadsheet and it is fantastic. Something that I am definitely, uh, definitely jealous of. Can you talk a little bit about how you, how you go about weighting the different categories as you as you create the values that you mentioned yeah that process has kind of evolved over time um it, it's in a it's in a decent place now but uh, basically looking at you know the, the normal batting categories runs homers ribbies steals average um year to year they're somewhat constant um depending on how things trend in baseball um you know i might have to take a little bit more uh, into account for steals as a, as an example as you know year over year they become a little less uh, less common but um essentially taking uh, the projected number for a particular player um dividing it by the the entire projected amount of runs for all starters you know you come up with a value multiplying that by a dollar amount um for a, a standard auction draft you can come up with a dollar amount for that category um, you accumulate all the categories for each player, and it becomes really usable, sortable um, data. And so you're obviously, um, you know, when we were chatting before, you were talking about how, you know, you, you had been playing and, and you kind of weren't satisfied with some of the projection systems um, that you had looked at before, some of the projections that came from some of the major, major websites like uh, ESPN and Yahoo!, um, how, how successful, like how many years have you been using your projection system and, um, you know, how, how successful has that been as you've kind of, uh, adapted it, as you mentioned over time? Yeah. So I, I've been using this for about five years now. Um, it's, it's certainly evolved over the years as, as, you know, I've played and learned from, you know, the experience of each year. Um, when I first kind of took on this project, I, I realized that a lot of the systems that existed were good, um, but but it kind of kind of fell to a normal bell curve. Um, I, I felt that once I got the the formulas right, 
going player by player, uh, really diving deep into each category, each player, I, I felt I had did a, a really good job, you know, evaluating each talent. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the formulas kind of handle everything themselves at, at this point. Yeah. And so when, when you did uh, your initial projections that kind of um, that you plug into the formulas, what's kind of the process that you go through in creating that baseline and, and how do you, how do you kind of, uh, change it as the season progress or as the off season progresses. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a process, you know, start to finish when I, when I go projecting, you know, 400 plus players to get my final pool. Uh, it's, it's certainly a grind. It's probably a month uh, of effort. Um, and, and it's, it's really a number of iterations um, in, in, you know, the first round or so of projections I go through and I look at every, every team, every lineup, every, every projected um, rotation, bullpen. And if a player is going to get playing time, you know, I, I look at them and I consider them. I, I'll look at kind of a, a three-year baseline of, you know, where they've been, where they're trending, uh, you know, a number of other factors that are environmental. You know, did they change teams? Did they change parks? Um, are they recovering from an injury? Have they had a major life event? You know, a, a lot of uh, variables. And, and that kind of gets me a standard baseline. It, it kind of similar to Steamer, if, if, you know, some of the listeners are familiar with that on Fangraphs. Yeah, um, definitely. And, and so um, how, do you, how do you feel like your projection system? Because I'm always super interested. Like I've, you know, I, I generally will take you know, we mentioned this, like I'll take a meta projection of, uh, you know, maybe steamer and some of the other publicly available, uh, projections to kind of create a, um, uh, a baseline of, you know, where I might project for them. And I'm always really, um, you know, I think it's awesome when people kind of take that on their own and go through it. It's certainly a, um, you know, uh, a difficult process, as you mentioned, are there like certain tips that you would share with people? as they're trying to go through this, if they're trying to, if they're very ambitious and want to create this type of system? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say um, it, it takes a, a certain amount of patience to go through. You know, don't rush it. If you're, if you're going to go through and you have to um, uh, really dedicate the time, you know, dedicate the time. If, if you're going to do it and, and kind of try and cut corners, you know, it's not worth, it's probably not worth the effort. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, okay. Like take me, uh, take me through, um, you kind of talked a little bit about, um, your process, you know, the initial of, um, uh, the, the initial look, looking at different playing time factors, things like that. Let's take the example of just, uh, a certain player. Like let's say you're projecting Mike Trout just because he's Mike Trout and he's at the top of everybody's projections. Um, run me through like exactly what you would do, for Mike Trout to project, to create your, your projections and then how those projections, how your formulas would take that into account, if that makes oh, totally. sense. So uh, looking at him, um, I'd, I'd look to see if there was any change in the lineup around him um, first, um, you know, ensure that he's in, in the same spot in the lineup that he's been historically. And if not, you know, think about how that might change his at-bats. 
um, after that, kind of look at where he has trended over the last two to three years with uh, his progress. You know, um, from an underlying skills perspective, uh, there's a number of stats that you can look at to try and, you know, uh, draw that out, whether it's trending bat bip, uh, trending hard hit rate, line drive rate, um, uh, walk, uh, walk to strikeout ratio, uh, a number of things. Um, and then uh, kind of look at some consensus to make sure that I'm not completely off. You know, once, once not just with a particular player, but uh, once I finish the entire uh, projection pool, I'll, I'll compare my projections to others, not really to make, sh- not really to action on it, but to make sure I didn't glaringly miss a particular player. To make sure you're in the, in the right universe with Mike Trout, right. which would be like, 350, 60 home runs, and 150 RBI, right? right exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, cool. Okay, and so and so you create that projection, and when you're looking at, like, um, runs, RBI, home runs, are you projecting those, like, on a, on a, on a per plate appearance or per at-bat um, uh, perspective? Like, are you, are you looking at past trends in terms of, know runs per plate appearance or runs per at bat and where those trends are heading and then using you know that to to figure out like is is the at bats the key thing that you are projecting and then there's a formula for um like each one of the each one of the counting stats um and the batting average or is it more um kind of a new like more nuanced than that like is it um does that make sense yeah it makes sense um it, it is a bit more nuanced I, I i don't use any formula to project any statistic per se uh, i'll go through and 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 simply review um a lot of the metrics um at bats are critical um and and in addition to at bats i'd even say walks and walk rate you know, if a, if a player um, is more disciplined at the plate, that's that's generally considered a positive. Um, but it, it, there is a direct correlation between walk rate and and, you know, runs batted in as an example. Cool. All right. And so and so you've created this projection for um, for Mike Trout. And so uh, walk us through. Kind of how that how that interacts with the formula you mentioned earlier that you essentially take all of the, the runs or RBIs that would be produced by the player pool um, uh, and use that as kind of a, uh, a way to divide, um, you know, or create value. Can you kind of give us the, the, the nuts and bolts of that? Yeah. So if we just use the Mike Trout example, um, once his statistics are in my spreadsheet, you know, I have to get uh, a number of other players in there. You know, the formulas don't really work um, to their full potential unless I have a full player pool. Um, but once it's populated and sorted uh, based on value, you can you can take the top, uh, say, 168 batters as an example for kind of a standard 12 team league, uh, accumulate all of the projected starting statistics. So, you know, if there's, if there's going to be 12,000 runs that are projected and Trout is going to get 114, as an example, um, my formulas will weigh his contribution to the total player pool um, and assign a value to his contribution in runs. Um, it does the same thing for, you know, the other four standard categories in a five-by-five five league, and that accumulates his total player value. 
Hmm. Interesting. Cool. And, and um, obviously this is, this is a unique projection system uh, that you've created that melds both kind of traditional elements of projection systems, maybe for lack of a better word, as well as just kind of your, uh, in a lot of ways, your own perspective or um, the, the, your own analysis, which I think is, uh, which, which is great, right? Because these are your projections that you can kind of stand behind and um, understand them from kind of start to finish. Um, so what would you describe as kind of the strengths and weaknesses uh, of your uh, projection system, Jason? Because that's one of the reasons why uh, started the conversation that we're, we're having right now is you were kind of looking for um, ways to improve or where there might be a weakness in your, in your projection system. Um, you know, you thought uh, some of the, some of the, at least the information that I was providing might be helpful in, in thinking that through. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, following you on Twitter for some, for some time, um, I, I love what you're doing with the information that you're putting out there. Um, I, I think my spreadsheet, a lot of the strengths are the formulas um, uh, that I've kind of evolved over time. Um, and, and even the draft guide uh, portion of it, which, you know, maybe we can talk about a little later. Um, but from a, a weakness perspective, you know, an area I'm looking to improve is how I actually project the stats that I'm projecting. Um, I'm always looking for new data and, and, and a better way to look at players' underlying skills. And yeah, a lot of the things that I see you putting out there, um, are things that I would like to incorporate into how I'm projecting going forward. Definitely. Yeah. And can you, can you talk a little bit, um, you know, you're, you know, you mentioned the draft, the draft guide that you have or how your projections kind of, um, I mean, it's, it's really cool. I saw it ahead of time. Um, you know, how, how your projections, you can then populate them for your draft. And as you draft, live you know you're filling in your team and you're able to kind of monitor how your team is being constructed can you can you share a little bit about that because i think that's like a a tool that for folks who are listening who aren't already doing this like this could be this is a real this is a real game changer i think when you're drafting uh to be able to look at you know this type of information in real time sure so after after all of the statistics are projected in the formulas you know uh, help me sort and figure out you know who should be ranked where including auction value um there's there's a section of this spreadsheet that is a draft guide you know i use it live with all of my drafts um and it basically lets me follow along with the draft where other teams pick their players i pick my players and it accumulates all of the statistics that I'm drafting uh, based on my projections into, into essentially a team page. Um, I, I then kind of use that data to accumulate what my team uh, would put together over the course of the season. So I could monitor by category, you know, how I'm looking in runs compared to where I want to be. Um, same thing with all of the other categories and uh, ensuring that I'm drafting not only the most value for my team, uh, but the appropriate value for each category. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really key. And that's something that I do and mine does not look quite as pretty as uh, Jason's does, but um, just being able to track like where your projections have your team, where the weaknesses are, where the strengths are as you're drafting is so helpful because I think a lot of times we go in um, thinking that we've drafted a really, really great team. Um, and if we're not, 
uh, we're, if we're not tracking to that level uh, to really be able to see kind of how our team's being built, I think that can create some challenges down the road if you have maybe a little bit too much um, of one category and not enough of another and, and, and you're not balanced, at least if you're not trying to do that. Um, a lot of times in, in um, you play a lot of NFBC, uh, a lot of, um, you know, uh, games where there's an overall prize. And that's particularly important having that type of balance um, in the, in the overall, in the overall. So um, yeah, I think that's great. And then, and then you also have a really cool, like kind of um, three pronged process for how you walk through. And you talked a little bit about it um, initially when you're talking about the projection system about um, how you, um, how you take a look at the context and the environmental factors that are impacting somebody's playing time, for instance, or how many at-bats they might get. And then you also mentioned that you incorporate a lot of skills. Can you talk a little bit about what some of those, um, those skills are that you're really looking at, um, closely from the last few years of player uh, production? Sure. So, I mean, there, there's a number of underlying skills um, uh, that I like to use to project future performance. Um, some of the ones that are more common um, would be uh, bat bip, you know, looking at, at balls in play. Um, I also like to use, you know, hard hit rate, uh, line drive rate, uh, barrels are, are somewhat of a newer stat that kind of uh, give, give context to how well a player is striking the ball with the bat. Um, uh, even even home run to fly ball ratio. Um, I, I think in isolation, though, no single stat is is really going to help you. You you really need to take you know a, a good combination of these stats um, and looking at an individual player and how they have you know trended with these stats over the course of time. Um, that's that's the part that really you know should be used to to evaluate how they will. Uh, perform in the future you know looking looking at the outlier numbers are, are really uh, what I think is most important yeah definitely um, and that's that's something that we talked about and one of the things that I struggle with on on this podcast and I joked around about it earlier but I have a really hard time I always tell myself and I always tell people on the podcast like okay I'm going to limit this to five minutes I've really got to cut this down but it's so hard because you know, the way a player performs is based on so many different factors and one little change or one little bit of information that you either miss or you neglect or you don't share, um, you know, that can have a huge impact on, you know, the way that you interpret somebody's, somebody's stats. Um, one of the things that I've, I've talked about before is, you know, like uh, looking at, for instance, um, the different contact uh, skills that there are, right, is like there's swinging strike rate and then there's the contact rates. And I used to focus a lot of attention on the swinging strike rates for hitters. And then as I got to know the statistics a little bit better, I realized like that, um, you know, that the, that the denominator on swinging strike rate is pitches. And so for a lot of players, you can look at the swinging strike rate and get a really good gauge on how well, you know, they're making contact with, uh, with the ball. Um, but for some hitters like your Javi Baez's or your Avisel Garcia's or alternatively, like in the opposite direction, your Joey Votto's guys who have really high swing rates or really low swing rates that can really make the swinging strike rate look out of whack, um, compared to what maybe their strikeout percentage is. And so I think when you talk about outliers, 
um, you know, and how you're looking for outliers. I think that's an example of, you know, just like where a slight little uh, switch in the, in the underlying skills that you're looking at can paint a different picture of, of maybe a, a player and what they might look like. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. And then, um, uh, and so you're looking at a lot of, um, you know, batted ball quality data. Uh, you're looking at a lot of plate discipline and contact metrics as well. Um, one of the things that, um, you know, I, I know we talked about before when we were talking a little bit is, you know, expected stats. And those are something that I rely on too. When you mentioned outliers, like thinking about how, um, you know, how luck may play a role in anybody's given season. Like we often see these breakouts um, and then guys are either never heard from again, or they just don't provide close to that level of value and using that as, um, you know, a way to gauge luck a little bit. And also in terms of batted ball quality to gauge the type of uh, quality of batted ball, because a lot of times when we look at these, at the, at the surface stats, like, you know, I gave the example of Matt Carpenter, uh, uh, in a, in a YouTube video I did yesterday, but you know, if you look at his 2017 and 2018 seasons, you can't see a huge difference. If you look at line drive, ground ball, fly ball, but when you break it down into smaller buckets, more precise buckets, like, you know, pop-ups, fly balls and hard drives as X stats does, you can see that there's been a huge shift in the batted ball quality and the batted ball type. Um, it's just, he's still hitting a ton of fly balls. So, um, those are some of the things that, that, um, you know, I think are super interesting when you talk about like outliers and, and using those types of underlying um, skills and stats. And essentially those, those are the ways that you find uh, the breakout players, you know, uh, being able to take that data and, and action it into the proper projections for the upcoming year. You know, it's exactly what I'm striving to do. Yeah, definitely. And um and so, um, you know, people have heard about, you know, my process before and like I shared a little bit about that, but I think one of the things that I love about, um, what you're doing is kind of developing your own projection system since that, as I mentioned, it's always been like something that I've, um, really wanted to do, um, my, my process and, and, um, you know, folks who follow on Twitter, like, no, I put out a bunch of these tweets with the rolling average graphs. I think my process, you know, I do the meta projections. So just to give me a sense of like where, where folks are and whether I would agree with it. And then I do, you know, a similar type of qualitative, I call it qualitative, but it's really quantitative look of trying to identify like where the outliers are, like creating a narrative around a player of why they may have done particularly well or particularly poorly or you know uh where their underlying skills may have changed and not necessarily reflected in the outcomes you know a lot of process over outcomes i guess um you know in in the process that i have but i mentioned this to you before but like one of the challenges that i think i have as a result of that is recency bias because i use a lot of rolling average graphs and looking at trends and there's obviously variance that happens within hitters and i think the projections are really helpful because it keeps it keeps me kind of in check um, instead of getting wildly, you know, uh, uh, wildly believing in a small sample size, like a 40 game rolling average um, or, you know, getting really down on a player because of that rolling 40, 40 game average. I feel like those projections set 
a really nice ba- baseline, you know, even, even from, you know, even though, you know, steamer and others may be a little bit more conservative than, than I would be. Otherwise it's helpful to kind of be able to go back on that. Um, and that's one of the things that, that you've mentioned is you, um, you know, I guess one of your critiques is that, uh, they are a little bit conservative and, and you tend to find that, um, you know, the actual production, especially of top end players is oftentimes better than what uh, that projection might be. Uh, yeah. I, I try to take that into account when I'm doing my projections, you know, there's, there's a number of formula driven systems out there that, that are good. You know, they do, they do a good job, but overall, um, they're, they're a bit conservative, especially with, you know, the league leaders. So I, I, I try to be a bit more aggressive um, with the better players that I have, you know, a good amount of confidence in. You know, every year someone is going to hit 120, you know, ribbies. Someone's going to score 110 times. You know, you, you very often uh, don't find those projections uh, with some of the, the, uh, the formula-driven systems. So um, I, I, do, I do try to consciously take that into account. Yeah. Cool. So um, let's let's talk players for 2019. Um, you know, when I uh, have folks on for uh, interviews, I, I call them the hard cookies and the uh, um, and straight out of the oven, fresh baked cookies. The hard cookies for me as a as a baked goods enjoyer are when you you know are hard cookies just aren't as good they're disappointing, you know? Um, and so the soft baked cookies, the hard baked cookies are the disappointments that we're going to experience in 2019. And then the soft baked cookies are the, uh, delicious, uh, players, uh, delicious players that probably, you know, I don't know if that's the right, uh, right way to go, but the, uh, the players that are going to, uh, be really, really good this year. Um, so give us, let's start off with the good and then we can end with the hard cookies with the disappointment. Who are three players that you like uh, heading into uh, 2019? So, so I, when I thought about these, these three players, I thought about kind of where I have them in my projections so far. And then I looked at kind of ADP. Um, so, so kind of where I have people ranked, you know, quite a bit higher than where they're going. Um, and, and guys that I seem to like a bit more than most is Jose Peraza, uh, Eddie Rosario, and Matt Olson and, and Olson's even tough because I know a number of people are already kind of high on him. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just a bit higher, I think. Yeah. And what, what is the, um, um, what is the difference that you have for those three players? So let's start off individually. So Jose, Jose Peraza, tell me, tell me why the, why the Jose Peraza love. I think he's just undervalued in general. Um, I, I don't have him uh, projected to do, you know, anything out of the realm of reality. Um, but I, I think that he's going to contribute in all five categories. Um, you know, he's not a tremendous power guy, but I, I think, you know, 12 to, to 15 home runs could be realistic. Um, uh, from a speed perspective, he's always been consistent. Uh, I think he has a, a good opportunity to hit near the top of the lineup. And, and his contact, his underlying contact uh, metrics are, are very strong. You know, a, a 280 average, I think, is, is also very feasible. Uh, maybe not a league leader anywhere, but when you compile, you know, a five-category production like that, um, a, a solid contributor for sure. Definitely. 
yeah, and it's nice to be able to get those stolen bases <laughs> for sure anywhere in the draft. Um, and you mentioned when we were talking earlier too, kind of how you feel like your perspective on on batting average has changed a little bit. So not to get sidetracked, but um, I thought that was really interesting. Can you talk a little bit um, a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so you know, every year, um, every year you play in fantasy baseball, uh, you learn something. And and I think one of the the opportunities uh, last year uh, that I could have done better was was a little more focus on average. Um, it, it's always been a category that I've given focus to, but uh, but I think last year. Um, I, I just didn't put enough weight on it in my formula and in my projections. So um, with a little bit of tweaking this year, um, seeing uh, a little bit more scarcity uh, just in all of baseball, um, guys like Peraza that you can get kind of in the mid rounds, that can be a, re- a really big positive on average. Um, it, it's just it's just more value than you're going to see you know, later in the draft. Definitely. And speaking of batting average, your, your second guy is Eddie Rosario. Talk to me about Eddie Rosario. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I'm Eddie Rosario's number one fan. Um, <laughs> last year, I was super high on him compared to, you know, a number of others in the industry. And this year, um, I'm pretty much right there. Um, I, I think he's, he's very similar to Peraza, just stronger in almost every category. You know, he can he can give you over 20 home runs. I think he can, he can easily go 20, 20, if not more, um, still provide, you know, a, a good average. And in, in the twins lineup this year, I think there's, there's opportunity for a lot of power. So, so both runs and rubies could be uh, very high for him. Definitely. Yeah. Rosario's a guy I liked a lot heading into last year as well. I even for at least the first half of the season until he fell off, the clip because of the injury uh every time he'd hit a home run i'd tweet out my uh eddie uh eddie eddie the eagle laser eye uh gif um and i agree i mean i think i like him a lot this year he actually finished i think around the 80th ranked player this year despite the injuries and second half struggles last year so definitely a guy who can contribute i may be a little bit um uh lower in terms of the stolen base potential for uh, Rosario, but, um, definitely think he's a guy who can contribute, uh, who can contribute a ton. Let's do Matt Olson. Um, a guy I like too. You're picking three great, great people. So, so Olson's a little different. He's, he's certainly not going to, uh, help you in batting average. He he might not necessarily kill you either. You know, it, it may not be positive value, but if it's, if it's, you know, slightly negative, um, his power numbers are certainly going to make up for that, uh, especially where he's being drafted. Um, outside of the top 100 is a travesty. Um, he, has, he has decent um, contact skills, uh, but when he does make contact, it, they, it, it's, it's fantastic. You know, he's, he's near the top of the league in barrels and hard hit rate, um, home run to fly ball ratio. You know, he's elevating at the right time. Um, and really, he's not striking out at an alarming rate. You know, his walk rate is is in line with where it should be. So I, I think I think this could be a big year for him. I, I don't think 40 home runs is out of the realm of reality. I don't have him projected that high, but but I think you know if everything falls into place, you can get a lot of power and a lot of run production. You know, uh, considering where he's going. Definitely. Yeah, I'm right there uh, with you on on Olsen. And I like how you mentioned the contact skills. 
I think that's one thing that really impressed me towards the end of last year is the contact skills really, um, really improved as the year progressed. And I think, you know, he already had pretty decent plate discipline. Uh, it's still very strong. And like you mentioned, the power, the power is legit. So love Matt Olson um, heading into this year. All right. This is the sad part of the program where we have to cover our hard cookies. The folks who are going to be major disappointments for people who draft them in fantasy this year. Uh, talk to me about uh, who are your three hard cookies. So my three, um, Ozzy Albies, um, Real Mudo, and in and, and parentheses, all catchers. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> finally, Josh Donaldson. All right. Let's start. Let's start it out with the first. So uh, Ozzy Albies last year, I was not a buyer. Um, I, I was literally waiting all year for the, the train to fall off the tracks. And it really didn't. He, he had a fantastic year last year. Uh, you know, I, I admittedly was wrong. Um, but a number of things went right for him as you kind of look at, at how his season progressed. Um, it, it did tail off a little bit at the end. And, and I, in my opinion, that's more the player who he is going to be. You know, a, a lot of prospects get hype. And when things go well early, it's so easy to get caught up into things. And I think that's a little bit reflective in his ADP at the moment. You know, he's, he's, he's up there um, on, on a number of sites, top 30. It's, it's just too rich for my taste. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also not going to be drafting Albies probably um, much this year. I think he's, he's fallen a little bit, at least in the NFBC ADP. I think he's going um, closer to 50 at this point in time, but um, I don't, I don't like the underlying skills a lot. I think the stolen bases provide some value, but I think uh, it's going to, I think that it's going to be the home runs are not necessarily going to be there. And I also worry, and, and you focus a lot on kind of context and environmental factors, all of the lineups that I've seen come out for the Braves this year uh, involve Albies batting around uh, sixth in the lineup. And I think that's going to be a huge dent in his value in terms of plate appearances um, and runs. Uh, so that will be um, interesting to see. That lineup is going to be really interesting. All right, JT Real Muto in parentheses, all catchers. Talk to me about all catchers because you have kind of a, I don't know if it's a controversial perspective, but uh, you definitely have a strong opinion about catchers and then uh, cover JT Real Muto in, in specifically. Sure. So uh, I, I, I'm not in the mindset of position scarcity. Um, I know it's, it's a topic that, you know, not everybody agrees with me on, but when I'm, when I'm drafting, um, I'm drafting players for their projections. Um, I, a number of, uh, a number of people disagree and kind of put position scarcity into the equation and, and just high level position scarcity is, is the idea that if there is less talent at a particular position, you, you provide a little more value to some of the better players at that position. And, and really, if you're doing that, you're, you're just leaving real value on the table in your draft. Um, Real Mudo, um, he's going to be a good catcher. You know, I think I think when you look at uh, how he projects, you know, he'll he'll project probably uh, some of the highest at bats at the catching position, and could lead a number of the categories at catcher. Um, but when you take that into account and compare him to all other position players in baseball, and then you look at where he's being drafted, 
it's it's completely out of whack and and i think that that you know happens with not just him uh, but all catchers so you know historically in my drafts i will wait till you know some of the last rounds uh, grab my catchers because i feel that i would have gotten more value with the other players that i would have drafted in the rounds where others might have taken a catcher all right yeah and i'm uh, we we uh we align on a lot of um uh, at least the the player uh, evaluations that we're talking about. I also agree about Real Muto being way too high. Um, I tweeted something out uh, a couple days ago as I'm going through catchers, but I actually have him ranked as my fourth best catcher heading into this year. I just think, you know, he kind of went for power in the second half of last year. The fly ball percentage went way up, um, but he didn't necessarily so show the ability to become that higher power guy uh, the hard hit rate dipped when as the fly ball went up uh, the babbit crashed and really the value that he brings is or he's brought in the past has revolved around you know his batting average and his stolen bases and the stolen bases are dwindling i think from 12 to 8 um to uh, i think 3 this most recent season um and so you know I, I just don't see as much value in drafting him where he's going right around Gary Sanchez um, when you can get similar players, if not better players, from my perspective, a little bit later on in the draft. All right. Um, and then your last player that you are not going to be owning in 2019. So Josh Donaldson, um, when I when I started to look at um, how he's performed over the last few years and, and really his career arc uh, from 2016 through 2018, virtually every uh, plate discipline skill and even some of the power skills that I evaluate are, are just trending in a really poor direction. You know, he, he went from a strikeout rate, you know, around 17% to 22 to 24 uh, walk rate is heading in the opposite direction um, while hard hit rate, you know, he's still striking the ball hard when he's hitting it. Um, he's not hitting it well at nearly as much as he, as he used to. Um, I, I know he's only 33, um, so so he's got that going for him. You know, he's not he's not necessarily at the end of of you know a normal career arc. I just feel like this could be the year that it continues to to fall off the cliff. Yeah, and I think he's moving up drafts a little bit. If I if I'm remembering correctly, I don't know if you have the data in front of you, but I believe he was going around pick 115, 120. Um, earlier in draft season, I feel like he's pushing up around 100 recently. So that's definitely, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a risky pick uh, to take there. So uh, we shall see. All right. Um, is there anything that we didn't cover, Jason, that you um, wanted to touch on with either your projection system or just overall, um, you know, in terms of draft prep and fantasy baseball analysis that you, you wanted to share with folks? I mean, uh, the, the number one rule. Um, you know, outside of anything that we've talked about, you know, for those who are looking just for a tip, um, ensure that you know the rules of your league. It, it's one of the most underrated, um, uh, I would say, uh, ideals that, that I keep in mind. If you're, if you're joining a new league, um, ensure that you know the crux of the crux of everything about that league because – any variation of any role can be used to your advantage. Definitely. That's great advice. And that's one thing we should say is 
this has been in the context of five by five batting average. So like Matt Olson in OBP gets even a bigger boost. Um, he's like our best friend in OBP leagues. So that is some really great advice. Um, Jason, thanks so much for, for reaching out and kind of starting the conversation. Uh, I'm looking forward to continuing to go back and forth on Twitter um, and, and, you know, see how, see how the projection system works out, see how you do this year um, and just kind of continue to learn uh, from one another. Uh, can you let folks know where they can reach you on Twitter and any other uh, plugs for uh, fantasy baseball related content that you got? Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter at Y2Trips. Um, I, uh, I have all of my projections available on my website, understandingfantasybaseball.com. I'm also a consensus expert over at Fantasy Pros, so you can see how I kind of stay, uh, rack up against uh, some of the other experts over there. Um, and if anyone's interested in my book, it's available on Amazon, Understanding Fantasy Baseball. Great. Well, Jason, thank you so much um, uh, for joining me on the, on the podcast today. It was great talking to you. Uh, I'm looking forward. At, we're, we're pretty much in alignment on the three guys we like and the three guys we don't like. So here's hoping we're not in any fantasy drafts together. <laughs> Best of luck this year. All right. Take it easy, Jason. Thanks. That is going to wrap us up for episode 55 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It was nice to talk to Jason about his projection system and then get his thoughts on fantasy baseball in general. Uh, definitely go follow him on Y2Trips. Check out his website. Check out the book. Uh, learn as much as you can about fantasy baseball. It was kind of nice to have a little bit of a break from those player profiles, have an interview with uh, another person who's passionate about fantasy baseball. Definitely love that. We'll try to have more of these types of interviews as the season approaches, as we learn folks' processes, who they like and dislike uh, heading into 2019. As always, you can reach me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Really appreciate you listening. Best of luck with your fantasy baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another. <laughs>